Welcome to our special November feature, Faith in Life, of LifeBeat. I'm your host, Chris Gast, Right to Life of Michigan's Director of Communication and Education. For this month, we interviewed Father Eric Fidoa. He is the pastor of St. Basil's Catholic Church in East Point, Michigan. Here's our interview. Okay, uh, Father Fidoa, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your church? Okay, um, Father... Eric Fidewa. I uh, grew up in Shelby Township, you know, Metro Detroit area. And uh, I, in 2011, I was ordained a priest uh, in the Catholic Church. And I've been a priest for then, uh, because of that, I've been a priest for almost 10 years. And I am pastor of St. Basil the Great Parish in East Point, Michigan. Uh, why don't you tell us why are you pro-life? I'm pro-life primarily because I'm human. Um, and it's just part of our nature that uh, it's common sense, natural law, a uh, law that comes from God, that we uh, recognize that if human beings have the ability to uh, reason, you know, have the, are made in the image and likeness of God, uh, that we would give uh, humans you know, a special uh, reverence, uh, special respect that we can't give to the other animals. Um, we respect other animals and we don't uh, mistreat them, uh, but they are there for our use as God has given. Uh, but humans are an end in themselves. And, uh, you know, to be pro-life, you know, means simply uh, to be pro-human, uh, even if you're not, even if somebody wasn't Christian, it can be uh, come as a common sense. Although it's a lot easier uh, to be Christian to recognize uh, the importance of being pro-life, uh, especially when we're in a society that doesn't uh, seem to understand the basic concept of uh, protecting innocent human life. And so we, we do live in that kind of a society, and a lot of times it seems like a lot of Christians, uh, churches, pastors have a real tough time uh, engaging on these issues. So um, what do you kind of see in, in your own area in terms of churches and Christians and pastors engaging on the issue? Well, I don't always know exactly what all the other... Um, I mean, at least immediately in East Point, I don't know what all the other uh, pastors are saying all the time. Uh, there's um, I have a little more of an idea with uh, some other uh, Catholic parishes, uh, Catholic uh, churches in the area. Um, maybe not as much in East Point because we don't always hear each other's homilies or, or we don't always hear each other preaching uh, because... Uh, we tend to have masses around the same time uh, each day. And, <clears throat> but I do know in, in general, uh, I do know a lot of priests that I, uh, that I knew when I was in the seminary uh, that are priests now. I know a lot of them do preach uh, on issues such as abortion, um, kind of a 
It doesn't mean other priests don't, but in general, the more relatively speaking, uh, recently ordained priests, you know, within like last 10 to 20 years are much more likely to preach on it uh, than uh, ones of a different generation. Uh, once again, it doesn't mean the other ones don't, um, but we tend to be more likely to. Um, I don't know if it's, uh, you know, part of it's the training in the seminary uh, has improved and uh, and a lot of it, I think, has to do as well with just what the Holy Spirit wants to do. Uh, and a lot of us grew up with not hearing much about it um, and uh, preaching. Uh, so we, you know, feel this call from God to, to be bold and uh, to not uh, always make our aim trying to please people uh, and, uh, you know, and, and realize how important that call is uh, to preach what the Lord wants us to say uh, rather than what we think people want to hear. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's a huge part behind it because that, that helps explain how a lot of other issues that are uncomfortable, you know, are uh, commonly preached on by priests that I, that are a little more in my generation. Mm-hmm. Feel free to disagree with me here a little bit, but do you think uh, part of it is the fact that, uh, priests that are being ordained now grew up and were born after 1973. And it, it's a very real issue that uh, they might not have been here otherwise. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I think that's a, a huge factor. I mean, I was born in 1982. And uh, it was so I've never lived in a time when the unborn were protected. Uh, and uh, my, my mother you know, growing up, uh, I had heard about it more from my, my mother as well, because uh, she was already involved in the pro-life <clears throat> movement since like 1973. Uh, she was already involved at that point. And I think a lot, yeah, a lot of us, we have that realization that we may not have existed uh, because when something is uh, that accessible, uh, when people are in fear, they end up making uh, the worst decisions. Uh, well, I think we can see that. <laughs> I think we can see that a lot now, uh, just with all the uh, people, how way, how the people have reacted to the, the virus uh, and, and things like that, the poor decisions people make out of fear. Uh, and uh, whenever something like that is accessible by the support of the government, you know, it becomes uh, much, uh, the, the likelihood of somebody not surviving birth uh, shoots right up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we do see a lot of churches uh, or pastors who struggle to be active on pro-life issues. Um, you mentioned that uh, it's people have a fear of not wanting to say things that others will find disagreeable. Do you think that that's kind of the primary thing driving it? Or are there maybe other any other things that you kind of see? being an issue for so many churches and not getting engaged? Well, I think, <clears throat> I mean, I think there's a few, of course, there are ones who, um, uh, there are ones who, you know, sadly uh, will actually believe that it's a good thing uh, as strange as that is, uh, or they try to emphasize, emphasize um, the uh, freedom, you know, of, of the woman. Uh, to make the decision 
obviously to the exclusion of the decision of the unborn woman or man. But, you know, I, I don't think that's as much. Uh, I do think that's still there. Uh, you can see it, you know, with, with uh, some Christian pastors and, um, but I, I don't think that's as strong now as, as it is um, because over the decades, last decades, a lot of people, a lot of hearts have changed and their views towards abortion. Some people, it's hard to get them past uh, simply believing personally that it's wrong. Uh, you know, you hear a lot of, especially Catholic politicians who, who say that they personally believe it's wrong, but they won't, um, uh, in their policies, they won't be against it, uh, which is, you know, that means they're not opposed to it. Mm. Um, if they're not willing to have it affect their own policies. But, you know, I think, so I think there are ones who believe that it's okay, which I don't think that's as big of a number. And even the ones who do, I think most of them, they try to, they have to convince themselves that it's for the sake of women. Uh, and which is, you know, the opposite, because we know how much it harms women too, um, uh, as well. <clears throat> but I think there's others who they may not just care a whole lot about it. Uh, they, they may not be, they just don't see how bad it is. Uh, and it's surprising sometimes people you can, you, you know, I'm sure you've talked to where they just haven't thought about it. They haven't really taken the time to think about what it is. Uh, and it's sometimes the simple as just explaining simply what it is can make a huge difference. Or, you know, um, uh, sometimes, you know, like somebody sees, uh, you know, the size of a child who's you know, like a model of a fetus at like an early stage, or, you know, there's a place I think too for graphic images um, as, you know, one of the things that helped uh, fight, uh, uh, one of the things that helped fight discrimination against uh, blacks like early, you know, decades and decades ago was showing images of black people who were lynched, you know, and, and it was hideous to see, but people didn't quite realize the reality of it until they saw it. Uh, but I, I think a lot of people just don't think about it. And so other things take priority. Uh, and, and that's not, it's not necessarily uh, uh, something that doesn't exist among, you know, priests, among uh, other Christian pastors. Uh, it's, it's all over. And then I think, as I said, I think a lot, I think a large portion don't think it's a good thing, but they're afraid to preach about it because they're usually afraid to preach about it. Anything that's uncomfortable mm. and it's, it can be a real temptation. You know, to think, Oh, you know, if I preach about this I might lose some people and lose, donations and but then you just think how can i not preach about it if i feel the lord is calling me to do so uh and i don't want to have to answer to jesus and say i didn't do it you know when he told me i had to and i think of ezekiel especially where he told them you know if you tell a man he's in his sin uh and he uh if you tell him he's in his sin and he uh, you know, doesn't repent, his blood is on himself and not you. But if you don't tell him he's in his sin, his blood is on you as well. And uh, that's just a simple thing sometimes to remember, uh, to to have a little fear of God, <laughs> to remember, well, you know, this is what I have to do. You know, it's not an option. You know, it doesn't mean I have to be belligerent about it or uh, not have any wisdom on how I do it. You know, it means that I want to pray and make sure I'm doing it the way the Holy Spirit wants me to do it 
Yeah. So, uh, you know, pro as pro-life people and just individuals, you know, we, we bear the responsibility to, to talk about this issue. Uh, what, what is kind of your advice for just the pro, uh, the pro-life movement, um, not just right to life of Michigan, but just individual pro-lifers who may be listening to this, you know, what's their responsibility and what can they do to get their, um, churches more involved on abortion and other pro-life issues? Uh, well, <clears throat> I would say if, uh, if you're looking at it as an approach of how to, how to, are you kind of asking like how to, uh, encourage their pastors to, uh, you know, to preach about it or to have, uh, events or, you know, people praying in front of abortion clinics, you mean, things like that. Sure. I, I guess maybe just, uh, if you had one wish for the pro-life movement to get church is more active on it. What, what's that wish? What would it be? <laughs> well, uh, I would, I would say, I think the most useful thing is if, uh, you know, as if the congregation, you know, wants to encourage their pastor to preach on it, to support uh, pro-life, you know, endeavors. I think the most important thing they can do, the best thing they can do is tell their pastor, and follow through with it, that they'll support them. Uh, they will, uh, they'll back them up. You know, if they receive uh, a lot of pushback, uh, they'll, they'll be there to, uh, you know, to support them vocally even. Uh, and I think that's probably one of the most useful things that uh, anybody could do for their mm -hmm. pastor to encourage them. Because uh, having that support and that encouragement is huge uh, for a, a priest or you know, any other pastor, I'd imagine. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's probably the number one thing is ask, you know, ask your pastor, uh, you know, be, you know, lovingly and, but straightforwardly, you know, ask him to consider uh, preaching about it if he hasn't, um, or uh, to support uh, different pro-life uh, endeavors or groups in the parish or in the, in the church. Uh, but then primarily to make sure that you are there to do the groundwork. Um, you make sure all the logistical stuff is taken care of. So it doesn't all fall on the pastor. Mm. Uh, and most importantly, let make sure the pastor knows that he has the support uh, of his people uh, and that they will defend him. You know, they'll protect him, you know, by uh, defending him, you know, in word, um, probably not by action. I don't have to do that as much, but um that they'll defend him, you know, his reputation, because that will be attacked often too by uh, those who don't like to hear uh, it being preached about. Mm -hmm. Pastors are just slightly busy, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just a little bit. Um, <clears throat> do you maybe have any situations uh, that you have been part of or seen where um, you've talked about the issue of abortion or someone has, and there's been some sort of negative, uh, reaction do you want to kind of maybe detail what that looks like yeah um i would say the vast majority of time when i've preached about it i mean it doesn't mean i'm preaching about it every single weekend i mean i'm going to preach about it because we have a certain uh regimented uh group of readings that uh that the church gives us uh to to preach on you know each sunday well actually each day uh, for the masses we do every day. And 
so, you know, there's, but there's times when it, you know, when the Lord makes it clear that he wants you to preach on it, um, you know, especially if you have like January um, near the March for Life uh, and in the church, we also consider October to be uh, in the Catholic church. It's kind of, at least in America, it's kind of emphasized as the, uh, uh, the month for life. Uh, to emphasize uh, uh, pro-life issues. And I'd say, you know, I mean, definitely more recently, I, I bring it up on purpose a little more to remind people, like when I preached on voting and uh, I have been reminding people and bringing it into homilies even more uh, just to keep it in the forefront of their minds when they're going to vote. Um, uh, but then when the times that I've preached on it, it's been different depending on which church I've been at in what area it's in. Uh, most people, I'd say the vast majority don't let you know that they don't like it. Um, you can kind of feel it when you're preaching on it. Uh, and I've had some people get up and leave uh, at different churches I've, I've been at. Um, uh, one time, it wasn't strictly on abortion. One time I was preaching on marriage, uh, being between one man and one woman. And I actually did have somebody stand up and start yelling at me. Um, that wasn't where I am now. That was uh, one of my first assignments. Uh, and, and I had to, ask the, I had to ask the woman to please sit down. And if she wanted to talk, she could talk after. Um, that was the most extreme uh, reaction I've ever gotten. Uh, you usually get something written. Uh, you usually get a letter. But that's not as, I think the most common is people don't say anything. And they just avoid you or they stop going uh, to your church. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, some people will, you, you'll hear it most of the time, you'll hear things secondhand. Or somebody will be complaining, like, what does that have to do about me? I'm older. It's, uh, and it's, and you have to remind people, it's like, it has everything to do with you because it's not about you only. <laughs> but, yeah, and it's, it's amazing, you know, but I'd say most of the reactions, I mean, here now, um, I definitely don't get many negative reactions now because most of those people left who didn't like it. Um, uh, and that's just how it is, but, you know, thank the Lord, other people have been coming. Um, and so, you know, it's, uh, yeah, I'd say the majority of the time you just, you never even hear from the person. Uh, I have had one I'd like to share. It's very beautiful that somebody told me about a year ago mm -hmm. at the, the first church I was at in Troy. Uh, I, uh, there was a parishioner there, um, who uh, I didn't know even at the time, but apparently they really didn't like me um, because of the times I preached on abortion, which wasn't all the time, but just, uh, but once a year could even be more than most people want to hear. Mm -hmm. um, but I mean, it's more than that, but I, I, I had heard somebody who I'm close with who goes there uh, when I was at that, that church uh, had told me that this individual wanted me to know that uh, they they disliked me a lot because of preaching on abortion. But then uh, like three years after that, they had a conversion of heart and they're very pro-life now. And they wanted to make sure that person told me to thank me. Um, so uh, that's very encouraging because we don't always see the results of mm -hmm. what we do. And um, people being angry isn't always a bad thing. It's probably better than the ones who don't care it's better than people who just don't have any reaction and, and aren't very pro-life. Uh, <clears throat> so yeah, that's pretty much my experiences I've had. 
um, and uh, and usually and sometimes I'll try to write to somebody above you uh, to uh, to get you in trouble uh, or uh, or they'll write to the bishop if they really don't like you. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, and, and you know and that can be scary, but uh, it's it is what it is. <laughs> yeah. So what do you think the potential is for uh, a really engaged church uh, to do, uh, to have an impact on the issue of abortion? Uh, well, I have a pretty small, my, my church is pretty small. Um, I only have about a few hundred families, which for Catholic churches is pretty small. Um, and that doesn't mean that every single person goes. Um, although it's a much higher percentage that go in smaller parishes, smaller uh, Catholic churches. Um, <clears throat> I'd say, but even with a small church, uh, it's amazing, you know, what uh, the, the presence, you know, of people, uh, every now and then I'll lead prayer. Uh, we usually pray uh, the rosary in front of abortion clinics, uh, asking our lady to pray for us and uh, pray for the unborn and those women. And, uh, you know, at first when we started doing it, we do it like maybe four weekends in a row. We usually do that probably like twice a year, uh, maybe more. Uh, we always do it during Lent. And, uh, you know, at first there weren't a whole lot of people, but then uh, when we did it last, uh, there was a lot of other people, a lot more people who came. And then we had uh, recently, uh, about a month ago, the uh, our Archbishop came. Archbishop Vigneron came here uh, to celebrate Mass on a Saturday morning, and then we uh, we uh, this was put on by uh, a woman at my parish who does a lot, and the helpers of God's precious infants um, who do sidewalk counseling pretty much any day that abortion clinics are open, and <clears throat> then we after the Mass we we drove to another uh catholic chur uh, church around here saint veronica uh and we parked there and then we uh walked called a, a pro-life vigil uh we walked uh praying the rosary uh probably maybe a couple hundred people maybe a little more and we we split the groups in two so we wouldn't get in trouble <laughs> you know for violating the the numbers of groups of people outside so i led one group to the one abortion clinic on eight mile on the Detroit side and the Archbishop uh, led the prayer on the East point side um, where universal and eight mile are. Uh, and considering how such a small church this, this is uh, putting that on, you know, with the help of God's, the helpers of God's precious infants, uh, you know, it's just amazing to think, you know, that such a small place could do that, uh, could, could manage something like that. And, and I think that means, I think that says a lot, you know, for what the Lord can do uh, just simply through, I mean, you look at the apostles, what he did through them, what um, did through just 12, 12 guys. And uh, it's amazing what the Lord can do uh, with such a small uh, amount of people. Uh, so can only imagine what he can do uh, with more people. Yeah. Yeah, you have a very interesting area there where you're close to the where they have two abortion facilities almost directly across the street from one another. And um, yeah, thank God, two pregnancy centers that are now opening across the street from each other and next to the abortion facilities. So uh, you can see yes. the like right there. Yeah, when we went um, uh, that 
when we had that that uh, the prayer vigil uh, about a month ago, uh, the Archbishop blessed uh, one of the pregnancy centers that is literally across the street from the East Point abortion clinic. Um, just it used to be a dentist's office, uh, and I I know some of the people who run it too. Uh, their their son and daughter-in-law are, uh, go to my church, um, uh, and that's just amazing uh, to see uh, what the Lord uh, will do uh, to to combat this. Yeah. Well, is there anything else that you wanted to uh, address or talk about in terms of pro-life issues in the church? I think one thing that's important uh, to remember that I would say, I remember we stayed with, uh, when I was in the seminary, uh, at a, in a certain year, uh, we would be sent to the March for Life uh, to represent the seminary in D.C., and we stayed with a, uh, his name is Monsignor Pope. You know, it's a funny name. Um, <laughs> Monsignor Pope, and uh, he actually, he writes a lot for the Archdiocese of Washington, D.C. Um, and he has a, a blog, uh, and he writes a lot of pro-life articles, too. He's very bold. And I remember he had, he had like a, a private mass for us uh, the morning uh, of the march. And I remember him saying, and it always stuck with me. He, he said, um, he said, you know, when we preach about abortion, he said, everyone knows that it's wrong. He said, on some level, uh, they know that it's wrong. And he said, you know, some people, it's going to be more uh, hidden for them. They're, they're accepting the reality that it's wrong. Uh, some people just may not think about it as much. He said, but everybody knows at some level that it's wrong. He said, so just remember that the truth uh, can always reach people, uh, even people you just don't think it would reach. And so that's why you never be afraid, you know, to preach about it, uh, preach the truth, you know, lovingly and uh, the way the Lord would uh, have you do so. Uh, but to always remember that something such as abortion is something that's so, it's so ingrained in our nature to have an aversion to killing the innocent. Uh, and is not much more innocent person than an unborn child, <clears throat> that the truth will always speak to them. You may not see it, but it will always have some effect. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Father Fidua, and I hope you have uh, a good rest of your week. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks for listening to our November Faith and Life feature. Join us again in two weeks for a regular episode of Life Beat. Enjoy a wonderful Thanksgiving next week.